Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We're in our, I think, 16th year now. Uh, wonderful program. Really helps people turn problems into solutions and gives you inspiration. And it's um, wonderful to be able to interview such amazing people. And today, we are talking to an author who's written a really fun romantic novel, but one that has a real lesson my guest is Leah DeCesare. She is the author of a new book, Forks, Knives, and Spoons. It's a thought-provoking, coming-of-age story that takes readers on a nostalgic journey back to the 80s and to the 90s. And she talks about three different types of guys, forks, knives, and spoons, and how we can learn to believe in ourselves and learn how not to settle in love or in life. And so I'm I'm really happy to bring on with me uh, Leah. Hello, Leah. Hi, Patricia. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I want to tell the, the audience a little more about you. Leah is an award-winning book author, and she also wrote the nonfiction parenting series, Naked Parenting, based on her work as a doula, an early parenting education, and a mom of three. Her articles on parenting have been featured in the Huffington Post, the International Doula, and the Key, among others. So, and she has done a lot of work in public relations, and she's helped, uh, you know, just a lot of children. She's worked with the Kampala Children's Center for Hope and Wellness in Uganda, and she's really very dedicated to uh, happiness for our children and also for adults. So, let's first come up with... Why, um, you know, this is a book that happens in the college years where, um, right, where uh, Amy York's father sends her off to college, never suspecting how far his daughter will take it. And she clings to her sort of this kind of classification that she came up with called putting guys into categories of forks, knives and spoons. And the dad doesn't, you know, (laughs) know she's really going to take that far. So she does. And so we're going to talk about that. How did you come up with this idea? So I've always wanted to be a writer from the time I was little. Then fast forward, I'm heading off to Syracuse University, and my parents take me out to dinner. My dad was, I'm the oldest child, and was a little bit, I think, worried about (laughs) his book smart daughter, who may, he may have had some reasons to be worried about me with guys. So, um, and my like lack of, um, I guess my more naivete, I was naive and innocent. So he was a little worried. So we're at the restaurant table and he just puts the silverware in front of me and starts to explain there's three types of guys. So in a nutshell, what he said was, there are sporks who are like, you know, the really arrogant, the players, the, the kind of guy, I, we kind of know the forks. I think it's the, the best term for them. The guys who are going to hurt you um, and, and, you know, cheat on you um, and just kind of play around. Then there's the spoons who, this was in the late 80s. They were, you know, the dorky, nerdy guys, not the very cool geeks of the 2000s. Um, but so the, you know, spoons were sort of softer around the edges and maybe not so confident and whatnot. But then the knife category was the biggest category and where you would find 
um, a competent guy, a nice guy, somebody who would be your perfect match would be in the knife category. So that's kind of what sparked it. Um, I went now, on now, to now my question, my question yeah. is, my, Leah, my question is, why would the knife be a perfect category? <laughs> well, you know, Amy questions that in the book as well, because you're right. It's sharp. It's, um, you know, cuts and slices. And so she questions huh. that. Um, however, the um, truly, and I hear this from younger women as well, they like a guy with edge. So a guy who's sharp, has edge. He's kind of like that in between, not being like, you know, stabbing like a fork or not too um, mushy or soft or just scooping up like a spoon. So um, this is, yeah, <laughs> the, in college, like I said, we had to kind of, we built around this system and kept adding more and more things to the system um, and sort of helped to, I suppose, back end to justify or explain some of the the labels, you know, as they began. I never questioned it. After I, after I went to write the story, I just stuck with my dad's labels and worked with that. <laughs> Funny. So, so that, that's, that was the impetus for the book. What about the story of the girl in the book? Was that someone you knew? Was that you? Was it a friend? Is it a composite of people? Exactly. So it's, a, it's very much a composite of people. So I think that, you know, this story, or the, it's not a story, the hook of the book, the Forks, Knives, and Spoons hook, was a fun idea, but it was not a story. So it stuck with me all these many years, and when I sat down in my 40s, decades after college, this was the, the idea that I just kept coming back to, and, and something I had to, to write about. Uh, so I had to back into a story, so I had to make a story up from it. Certainly, um, because Amy's father is the one who told her this advice, my dad is very much um, Amy York's dad. Um, so, and then just by nature of that, I think a lot, I've given Amy a lot of things that um, are like me, her optimism, her, mm. um, her excessive toothbrushing, her love of romantic comedies, her going to Syracuse University, um, and even being from Newtown, Connecticut. So I've definitely given her a lot of things that are me, but the story is not my story. Um, so I had to make up a story in this friendship that, that then worked around the hook of the forks, knives, and spoons. And in the book, does Amy meet the fork, the knife, and the spoon? And does she talk about each one? <laughs> yes. So, um, without a doubt. Uh, like I said earlier, um, when I went to college, we, my girlfriends and I, we, I shared this silly thing that my dad had shared with me. And that's when it just kind of took off. Like, we all spoke like that. Like, oh, my gosh, I went out with this guy. He was such a fork. Or, oh, my gosh, I think I met a knife. And then we started to invent things, you know, sporks and plastic forks and pseudo forks, um, uh, you know, like a pseudo fork, say, is a, a nice guy, a knife for a spoon who gets um, drunk and then acts like a fork. So we had all these silly things that I then um, had to find ways to sort of just lick, sit, sit, put snippets into the story. Um, so, yes, they meet a bunch of different guys. They date a bunch of different guys um, and, and have a, a 
room, you know, a classmate, a floor mate on their freshman year floor who also tends to date a lot of different guys. So we see quite a few forks and different utensils through her mm. point of view. <laughs> yeah, it almost reminds me, and I know there's a review here where they say that it reminds them of um, When Harry Met Sally, which was a wonderful, oh, that's such a compliment you know, because it's yeah. my favorite movie. Yeah. And um, I do, I, I do reference a lot of romantic comedies in the book and um, and have a couple Harry Met Sally references in there. So that's, you know, my favorite. I love that. Yeah, it also reminds me of a similar kind of Hallmark movie theme. You know, <laughs> a lot of the Hallmark movies. Yeah, Maybe, so... I, you know, I, don't, I haven't watched them, but I... But, that's, that sounds like a wonderful compliment because they're very popular. <laughs> they are. They are. They're formulaic, and everyone knows how they're going to begin, middle, and end, but the stories are always a little bit different. So, But they're always inspiring, and I think that's what, mm-hmm. you know, that's what people want. So talk about sort of the lessons that she learns in the book, you know, dating these different classifications of men, sort of the dorky guy, the, you know, the cool guy who's not always nice. And then the one who's, you know, in the middle has some sharp edges, but is interesting. So I think what she, what she really learns and what I, the message I really truly hope um, women of all ages get from the story is really that you have to be whole and confident and secure in yourself before, you know, attaching yourself to another, that you have to believe in yourself and be you um, to find that perfect match. And also that even though they use this system, um, and, and sure, it could be maybe a fun way to kind of rule out people at the outset or, or if, if you choose, but really um, somebody's steak knife, maybe somebody else's spoon, somebody's spoon, maybe somebody else's knife, right? So it's really, um, you know, while they call it the utensil classification system and it's a fun thing to hang their hat on, um, they definitely do mislabel guys and learn from that and learn that really the most important thing is that they have to believe in themselves. So it's truly the story of their friendship even more than the story of um, their relationships with, with men. Hmm. Do they learn something from each of the personalities or each of the types in, this, um, in the book? I would say, I, I would say, I guess in some way, yes. It's not um, the story isn't really laid out to the fact of that, like each one has a lesson. Um, but certainly, I think it has broad brushstrokes in it, and they um, and they and they have some fun sort of. Um, trying to pinpoint who, who, what kind of guy each guy is. And I get a lot of feedback from readers about that, saying, oh, my gosh, after that, I was like, I could completely pick out people in my life who fit into each of these categories. And, mm. and then I love when people read it and make up their own utensils. I had a contest um, last spring to invent a utensil, and I had some just wonderful, fun entries. So... Yeah, so I think it's it's a, it's the kind of thing where you plant the seed, and then it's great for people to go run with it and and make it what they want, um, you know, within that kind of just basic formula. But it has gone into really some fun, silly utensils. 
Hmm. All right. We're going to take a break on that note. I'm talking with Leah de Cesare, and her book is Fork, Knives, and Spoons, and it is a novel. And it's it's about um, being in your college years and dating and deciding if the guy is a knife, a fork, or a spoon, and learning how to believe in yourself and not settle for love. When we come back, we'll talk to Leah more about the book, but also about the process of writing. And for those of you who aspire to write, uh, particularly a novel. It's a different format from writing, writing nonfiction. And we'll ask Leah all about that, you know, how she gets inspired, how she writes, as well as more about the novel itself. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back, and I'm back with Leah DeCesare. Hello, Leah. Did I say that correct? You're doing great, yes. 
Decisari. Yes, I didn't pronounce it correctly before, so I want to make sure I do it correctly now. The book is Forks, Knives, and Spoons. Leah Decisari is an award-winning author of Forks, Knives, and Spoons and nonfiction parenting series, Naked Parenting, based on her work as a doula, early parenting educator, and mom of three. And her articles have been featured in Huffington Post and International Doula and The Key, among others. And she does a lot of um, international work, too. So... Welcome back, Leah. Want to ask you. you about the process of writing. How do you how do you organize it? I've written nonfiction. I've written two books, but they've been nonfiction. I've never mm-hmm. written fiction. So and it's a different animal. How do you yeah. how do you go about doing it? So um, it's a it's a very different process. I found from writing the naked parenting books. Um, it has. And I learned completely randomly for writing Forks, Knives, and Spoons, taking courses, reading a lot. Um, and I'm a big, big reader, and I'm, I'm a proponent of learning from writing. Um, I used to think that there was one magic way to do this, one right way to write a novel um, and to have a process. It was the big question I used to ask every writer I would meet and every um, function I would go to where I was with writers. And what I finally learned is truly you need to find your own way to do it. It without a doubt takes discipline. It definitely takes learning. It definitely, there are things that matter in fiction. Um, without being formulaic, it, you absolutely have to have structure and a spine. And there are things that are um, important to do in storytelling. Um, so those are things that I acquired and learned and played around with as I wrote, rewrote, worked with many editors, worked with beta readers, went to conferences and whatnot. Um, but I did find my own process, and I think that that was something that was sort of a revelation that everybody does it differently. So I tend to love binge writing. I will write for like 15 hours a day um, wow. and go away for like three or four days, um, have zero um, other things to do on my list. I buy Trader Joe's bag of salad and some frozen food. So I'm eating super quick. It's really easy. And I'm writing, writing, writing with nothing else on my plate. And I find I can just go very deep and get really into a flow and write very productively. Um, And then when I come back from those little trips, I am much um, more productive as well and can go deeper from there. So I I find Mm. that that's the best way to write for me. Some people write a certain number of words every single day or a certain number of hours every day. Mm. Um, My schedule, I I don't work that way. And I tend to work way better at night. So I'm not the first thing in the morning kind of writer. I tend to do it later in the afternoon or evening. Hmm. That's a fascinating process that you can do it that you can stay with it that long and be intense about it. Do you do you handwrite or do you write on the on the computer or do you dictate? Yeah, no, I definitely type. I work on the computer. Um, I was traveling and sometimes I'll use like I always have a notebook or paper with me and I, I have like post-it notes everywhere. I, I usually have to sit down and because I'll get an idea and I just jot it on something and then I consolidate it into things and I have notes on my phone I have it everywhere. But when I'm composing and writing, I much prefer typing it in um, because of cutting and pasting and removing. Even when I take notes, I can take a phrase or a sentence very easily um, and, and even 
print them out if I need to or cut and paste, like it's physically cut and paste them as needed, whereas I feel a little bit more limited by my notebooks. But notebooks I will use for, say, having a conversation with a character or trying to figure out a problem or taking notes on a plot point. So I do a lot handwritten, but it's more of the back end work. And when I sit to write, I use a um, a writer's uh, software called Scrivener, which is very popular among among writers. And I love it. Uh, There's a bit of a learning curve, but it's phenomenal once you really can get comfortable with that. So I will kind of outline things in a notebook and by hand and in, in notes on my computer. And then... I will outline it into scene by scene by scene into Scrivener mm. with just notes. So when I sit to write, the, the kind of the puzzle pieces and the thinking part and the logical part of what's happening in the story is already done. And then I shift my other side of my brain and I know what has to be accomplished and then I can write that scene. And things still surprise me because you don't know who may pop into a scene or what they're going to say or how they're going to say it. But I sort of know what the goal of the scene has to be. And Mm -hmm. then it allows me to be creative within those um, sort of parameters, if you will. Do you ever go back and rewrite a scene or add something to a scene? Yes, a million times. <laughs> Truly. Mm. Yeah, a million times. So I absolutely, and that's kind of like, I actually feel like that's the part that is really the writing. A lot of times the first, the first draft is about getting something out and down and you sort of have, sort of have the nuts and bolts of the story. And then, and sometimes even there's parts in it where it almost is essay like in my, in my uh, process where it's almost more like what has to happen here. But then I need to go back and actually really write out and flush out that scene and, and what, does, what is the character's motivation behind that? Or if something happens, really being conscious of the character's reflection, the character's response internally, externally, what's the subtext in a dialogue, all of those things. So a lot of, or I would say even probably most of writing is actually in the rewriting of it. Um, mm. And I very much delete heavily. So a lot of times I'll find, oh, this scene doesn't serve a purpose or this character sometimes doesn't serve a purpose. So I will delete um, very aggressively if it's not serving the story. How do you respond when you get reviews of your work, mm. whether they're you know, positive, negative, neutral? How do you respond? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I always read my reviews. I know some people don't, maybe it's because I'm newer at this, but, um, I do read them. And in general, I, um, you know, feel happy when I get a good one and a little bummed out when I get a bad one. However, somebody once told me, and I hold this thought in mind all the time, somebody once said, you could have the most beautiful, gorgeous, delicious, perfect, juicy peach, and there's still going to be somebody who doesn't like peaches. So I mm-hmm. always think about that. And um, I mean, you can look at The Great Gatsby and The Great Gatsby has bad reviews on it. So I just say, all right, I don't take it to heart. It's, my book is not for everybody. Um, there are times I wish that people would remember that there's actually a person behind these and that they don't have mm. to be outright mean. Because <laughs> sometimes yes. they're just mean and there's no call for it. But you know what? I just let it roll off and, and move forward. I'm proud of my work. I love it. And, and it, it is definitely not for everybody. So um, that's fine. Take it or leave it. I'm good with that. (laughs) Leah, how do your other books fit into this? Because, you know, even though the parenting book is very different from this, you are dealing more with children. uh, Are any of the concepts from your parenting book, Naked Parenting, in this novel? 
Well, gosh, what a great question. So it's funny because I tend to forget a little bit about my first two books, the Naked Parenting books. Um, I was so immersed in young children in my home, in um, teaching childbirth, early parenting education, parenting coaching, being a doula, that um, it's sort of those books were a natural offshoot from my, my blog that I was doing at the time and questions from clients. So, but I tend to sort of not forget about them, but I do. I feel like, you know, Forks, Knives, and Spoons is where my heart always was with fiction. So this feels like my first book. However, the, the naked parenting advice and the, the concept behind that is truly in trying to empower parents and help mm. them to feel confident in many different areas so that they can be confident parents and raise confident children. So um, I, I am all about guilt-free parenting, giving parents high fives, giving them positive energy and new ideas because it takes so much effort. Uh, and something that works on a Monday isn't going to work on a Tuesday with kids. So mm. I'm all about giving new ideas, new tools, new tips, take them or leave them. But maybe this strategy will work. Maybe it won't. Um, and just being kind to yourself. Um, mm. We're going to make mistakes. So I think all of that. Um, that relates. I look at all that relates of my, to dating. Yeah. It relates yep. to dating. You stuff. don't take everything so seriously. You might meet somebody who's a fork and that's okay. You learn from that and move on to, a, you know, a spoon or a knife. Exactly. And you have to feel sure about yourself in it and not read, you know, every parenting book or any book you read, it's going to give you something for you or you are allowed to reject it if it doesn't work for you or your family. And I feel that's the same thing with other advice, right? Whether it's relationship advice or um, whatever it may be. So you're absolutely right drawing that connection. How can, what would you like to leave our listeners with, Leah, about Forks, Knives, and Spoons, your book, your philosophy, and then how can we get your book? But what's your message? What's your overall message? Thanks. I truly think it is believe in yourself. I, um, in working as a doula and working, seeing my, my kids who are now 20, 17, and 14, um, and their friends, and, um, and, and even, you know, women in my age in their 40s, I feel like we all need to believe in ourselves, and I think that cannot be said enough or um, more emphatically. So that is my true message. I think that I've found a lot of um, young women and uh, women of a certain age are loving reading it together. So it's a lot of mother daughters have loved to read it together. It's a, it's been great for graduations and for um, young women starting out their new careers and their new life transitioning from college into adulthood. So I feel like there's a lot of fun to offer and a lot of, um, even though it takes place in the late eighties, that it really has a lot of things that relate and are very relevant to today's woman in today's world as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on the program, Leah. Leah DeCesare, and again, her book is Forks, Knives, and Spoons. It's a wonderful novel, and take a look at it. And you can go to her website, right, leahdecesare.com, which is L-E-A-H, and that's then D-E-C-E-S-A-R-E.com, correct? You got it. That's it. And it's available wherever books are sold or they can get it in. Yep. Thanks again. Really enjoyed having you on the program. Thank you so very much, Patricia. Have a great holiday and a happy new year. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this first interview on the Patricia Raskin Show. And we'll be right back with our second interview right here on voiceamerica.com. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. 
Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.